And then when we came to Dean the Scene, I was just like, I was in awe because he came. He just switched from Steve McFadden to Phil Mitchell. And you were just like, wow. We always say, oh, isn't it good the way that they do just drop Punjabi? And because, you know, even if you're not a fluent Punjabi speaker, if you're in a Punjabi household, there are going to be words that you use. Hey, Brené, this is Rina Diptianabil and you're listening to the Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect, the podcast where each and every week I speak to fierce and fabulous females who are changing the world one bit at a time. Today, I'm going to be talking art, drama, creativity and brown girl representation. So um, when I was younger and there was a brown person on TV, the whole family would scream at each other from different sides of the house and we would be assembled in front of the TV in about two seconds, no, a millisecond. That's how excited we were. Now, it's a little bit different now because of writers, producers and actors who are changing the game. Now, one of those game changers is joining me today. So you might have seen her in my spoken word video, Brown is Beautiful, which I produced in 2020, and you will definitely know her as the EastEnders villain, Suki Panesan. It's actress <laughs> Belvinda Sopal. Hi, Bal. Welcome to the Sister of Mommy Perfect. <laughs> How you doing? What an intro. <laughs> well, it's quite fitting. I had to. Um, so, <laughs> so first of all, like I mentioned that you, you were in that... Um, that little video that I did, Brown is Beautiful. And I, I've said thank you to you before, but I just want to say that, you know, it was just like, I, I didn't know you, you didn't know me, you know, but <laughs> just to kind of contribute to something like that was um just, I just, it was meant a lot. Anyway, it meant a lot. No, well, thank you for asking me because it meant a lot to me when, when I saw the brief um, and I was like, I have to be a part of this. I need to make some noise um, about just about how we're seen. So Thank you for inviting me on on board. No, it was good. It was good. And I mean, I've said to you before on the phone, and I'm going to say it just at the beginning of this episode, again, a manifestation. I do write, you do act. One day I would like the two <laughs> to come together somehow. Oh, yes, exactly. So No, it's ha- it is happening and I'm saying it now. So there we go. Yeah, it's out there now. It's, it's out there. <laughs> it's out there now. It's out there. Um, so, Watch this space. <laughs> exactly. So you're on TV almost every day in EastEnders but you started in theatre didn't you? I did yeah yeah I started in community theatre actually mm-hmm. um, which uh, I was a volunteer for a theatre company called Chol um, so they're kind of my route into the creative arts um, and they're based up in Huddersfield and I just graduated and they were running a show called oh god what was the show I can't remember now something like Three Beaches a rusty angel and a transit van and it was about refugees would you believe this is going all the way back to 2000 and something like 2000 um and um yeah and they were like would you would you like to be a facilitator initially and I said okay cool and that was just like running workshops with people and just kind of helping the story along and then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some of their dancers fell out um so they were like would you like to dance in the show and I was like well I'm no dancer but of course and then I was roped into do a bit of acting and I just thought bloody hell this is like <laughs> I mean the best experience of my life but it sort of happened where I couldn't say no um and then ever since then I was like you know what I I need a piece of this I want to be telling stories I want to be making a difference I want to be putting out um 
I want to be putting art out into the world and I want people to engage with it and I want to change people's lives. So, yeah, so Choll Theatre in Huddersfield, I, have a, I owe a lot to them. <laughs> but before that, did you have any aspirations to do acting? Yeah, I think I always did. Um, I studied theatre and media at the University of Huddersfield. So, okay. yes, um, I wanted to do it. Uh, I wanted to study performing arts at A level and then at degree level. But, you know, with, with our parents, it wasn't necessarily something mum and dad were very keen on. Um, and so I was like, OK, so you just sort of navigate your way around. Don't you? I always knew I would come mm. to being in the creative industry. But I just thought, right, well, I need something that's going to appease you know both parties and then um when I did finally get onto the course at Huddersfield I was like I have to make this work in order to prove to myself that I can do it and also to my parents that it was worth (laughs) the time and energy so yeah and now they're the most proudest people on the planet so yeah they they I I would be you know if I was your mom (laughs) but um (laughs) uh you know I was gonna say that did they try and dissuade you at the time because I myself when you know my dad kind of steered me towards oh be an accountant that's a really good profession for you to the point where I was convinced that it was and then but I was creative and I've always been so that was a bit bizarre I would try to kind of put myself into you know a a different shape when I it wasn't me into into an accountancy box so I was kind of dissuaded from doing anything creative and also for me I don't think I actually had the uh just I didn't have the guts to actually say oh actually I really want to do something creative because I didn't actually know that you could even do that you know I thought it was for other people you know because I used to be I even when I was a kid I used to um, try and write novels start a different novel every week and you know be creative pretend to have my own radio station and this kind of thing but <laughs> I, I did I did all of that yeah, yeah. No. and then but the thing is you know I, I don't think it was picked up on or it was like oh that's a nice hobby and you kind of thought oh that's only a hobby and I didn't have the guts to be like, I would like to study this. So did were you dissuaded as well or no? Um, I think, oof, not necessarily dissuaded, mm. but certainly there were conversations where mum and dad were like, do you really think this is the right path for you? Do you really think that you can make something of it? Um, and I think, look, you're, you're absolutely right. It, was, it wasn't the done thing. We never saw people that kind of went that way and were successful, mm. you know, because all the people that we've grown up with were doctors lawyers accountants you know um dentists and all that kind of stuff so those seemed to be the secure routes um into a a profession that would you know kind of look after you later on in life um and so then there was always a concern um and I think rightly so you know the the arts industry is very volatile and precarious at times and you know it's feast or famine isn't it so Mm -hmm. rightly so they were worried but I think the need for me to want to tell stories was greater than making money yeah um and so I was like well I'll do it any which way I can and I did a lot of free work as we all do you know for a very long time Mm -hmm. um and also worked in like theatres and in bars you know to try and support the creative output as it were um and you know mom and dad I mean sure they thought I was mental they were like why would you want to live a life like that that's so hard (laughs) you know you don't know where your next wage is coming from you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from why would you want to do that but I think I just I just I just wanted to be creative and 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 that drive was greater in me than than anything that Mm. anybody could say to to put me off so I I was like it's fine I won't eat for a week (laughs) are you the eldest in your family as well 
Yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a big <laughs> thing as well because I'm the eldest of three girls. So it was like, oh, you know, if you go off track, then it's all over for yeah. the entire family. So I respect yeah. the fact that you were like, no, I, I really, you know, it's my passion and I'm going to do it. Because that's, a, you know, it's not an easy thing really, is it? No, it's not. Um, and, and you're right about that whole setting an example, you know, mm. what will your brothers and sisters do and what will the community think and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. But I think... My mum and dad aren't, um, they're very open and liberal and accepting and, mm -hmm. you know, they want us to grow as people. And so they understood that it was important for me. I mean, still sometimes my dad, you know, not not recently, but has made flippant comments, you know, when work wasn't coming and I'd be sat at home going, you know, doing promos or something like that. But even still, I loved the promotional stuff because mm. I was talking to people and I was collecting stories. Yeah. You know, I was a perfume assistant. What is it? What are they called? Um, yeah, I was selling perfume in boots for many summers uh, and I just loved it because here I was helping people to find their signature smell for their wedding or their 50th birthday party or something and listening and connecting and that was what it was about for me um, and you know and when that work wasn't there or they could see that I was struggling quite like, like badly they were just like maybe you should uh, change your line of work like why don't you just become a doctor and I'm like of course because that's so easy to do I'll just become a oh, doctor yeah I'll see you in 10 years time <laughs> yeah, yeah but um but, you know, I think it's just I think it's just something that they say they might not have necessarily believed it. Um, but because they'd seen everybody else around them doing the same thing, they were like, well, why don't you just do that? Because it seems easier. Mm. It's not easy being a doctor. It's not easy being an actor. You know, yeah. they both have their kind of difficulties and, and, mm -hmm. and stresses in different ways. Um, but yeah, but, but I mean, they, they, they were they they were supportive. I have to give them that. They never sort of said, don't do it. They just went, maybe reconsider, maybe think something else. Um, and I just went, I can't. <laughs> but I, that's, you know, fair play to them. That's actually quite broad minded because I, I don't know if, if uh, my dad would have, <laughs> would have said that. So, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's nice that you had that support. Um, do you... <sighs> I know that you never set out to be like, oh, I want to be an actress. I want to be in soaps, this and that, whatever. But like when you were growing up, did you have, did you watch stuff which you were like, oh my, you know, that's um, kind of a goals for me and that kind of thing. Be it Bollywood or other things. Yeah, Bollywood. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a goal, I don't think, but it was certainly, oh my God, I'd love to be on that one day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I loved Bollywood. I still do. Some some films, you know, kind of once in a while hit you and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, the messaging of that is amazing um you know but um and Indian serial dramas <laughs> I mean I love them for their crapness I love them I think you know it's proper kitchen sink drama um but also <laughs> it, some of the some but also some of it is quite tired and um you know stereotypical so there is that element where I'm just like ah oh, let's move away from those yeah. those tired old stories um but yeah no we grew up around Bollywood uh so of course I wanted to be mm. something like that I, you know I initially <laughs> wanted to be a dancer um but I never trained as a dancer and I don't know how mm. my parents would have handled if I wanted to be a dancer I think I don't I don't know just never I just I just knew I wanted to be creative I wanted to be in the industry I loved watching Bollywood films I loved um telling stories um and I loved connecting with people and I thought this was my way in yeah. so yeah do you dance though like do you, you know I'm not I mean? a trained throw... dancer I'm I know not but a trained dancer. throw I mean, some shapes on the dance floor can I, you... can, I can throw some shapes I can hold a, a routine you know I have to count it <laughs> but yeah mm -hmm. I could I could so if you were kind of offered strictly at some point it wouldn't be like out of the question I mean 
If I was offered strictly, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, again, that's another dream as well. I used to watch Strictly and go, oh my God, wouldn't it be amazing? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, Call the Midwife. I used to watch Call the Midwife and go, God, that would be amazing. And actually, Call the Midwife was one show that I. Were you on it, weren't you? In- yeah, I was yeah, you on were, it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. So I used to watch it on a Sunday night. Uh-huh. Um, and when it first came out, I was like, my God, this is one period drama that I could see myself on. Yeah. Um, and seven years later of it being broadcast, I was on season seven. And I just was like, this is unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you going into EastEnders, was that a dream as well? Or did it just come up and something that you had to then consider uh no it was never a dream uh, I never saw myself as a soap actor um I actually thought that I would be in theatre for the rest of my life but the but the great thing about our industry is that there are so many platforms I mean now podcasting is such a big mm-hmm. thing um audio drama I always love radio drama so that for me was also a really great like thing to be involved in and I I would always want to do more radio Mm -hmm. and more theatre I never thought about TV funnily enough I always thought and this is so silly isn't it to admit um that TV was a beautiful person's place and so there was no room for me uh and Uh, so I never aspired (laughs) to get there do you see what I mean okay um yeah I know it's it's mental which is a bit Um, crazy somebody who looks at you thinks she thinks that this face shouldn't be on TV it's a bit mad like come on we all no look we all have our insecurities yes. right and um and yes and so and and also um potentially coming from a south asian background i was like they don't want to hear our stories we're not mm. really you know we're not really interesting people or what do i have to say about that although i knew that i did mm-hmm. but just the way the industry was shaped i was like nah it's not really it's 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 not time for me um and so then when extenders did land on my lap i was just a bit like oh this is interesting um and also I'd got to at that stage when um EastEnders came I'd got to a point where I was saying no to a lot of work on telly because they were all small parts Mm -hmm. they were all parts of like um Asian women that couldn't speak English that were forcing arranged marriages that were oppressed victims of their own culture and religion um or um, just the token brown person delivering two lines to aid another story and I was yeah. like no 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 thank you no thank you mm-hmm. and Una my agent was like wow what what are you doing I'm like I'm carving out a career <laughs> mm-hmm. you know I'm kind of making decisions where I where I am in control um, and if that means I don't work then then that's fine I'll find a way of making work or whatever so anyway then EastEnders came and um on paper, Suki looked amazing because she spoke with her own accent. Um, she born and raised in, in England, um, you know, feisty, fiery, uh, manipulative, cunning, um, you know, scheming, all of that kind of stuff, kind of gangster. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah, I love this. And then we got to the bottom and it said, is a mother of four? And I was like, oh, really? And I'd seen Jazz Diol and the other two lads. I didn't know them at the time, but Shiv and... Um, Amar, I knew that they were on. They just introduced the lads, mm-hmm. and I was like, I said to Una, "Is she the mum of these three boys?" And uh, she was like, "Uh, possibly. I think so. I don't know. Did a bit of digging around. She went, yeah, it is.' I went, nah, I don't want it." And she said, "Why?" I said, "Because I'm not that much older than Jazz, um, and to play his mum feels very odd." Um, and I was like, "I'm not the right casting. They don't. I don't want it." And she said, "Okay, well, let me just have a chat and find out. You know mm-hmm. what? You know." 
so she spoke to the casting and they sent the sides through and it was like three or four massive pages you know yeah. two massive monologues and I was like okay and she said um they want them done by Monday we were doing a show at the time mm-hmm. my beautiful laundrette and I was in Cheltenham so we had a show Thursday show Friday two shows on the Saturday yeah. Sunday was a travel day Monday they wanted in I was like where am I going to get to do it and already I was like I don't really want it because I don't want to play a mum and I also don't want to play a mum that's faking cancer because that's just it, it no um and so yeah so there was a lot of to and fro in um and then I, I managed to do it and send it off. And then they wanted to see me. And I said, no, I'm not coming down to see you for five minutes uh, for you to tell me that I'm not right for the job. You know, I said, because I don't feel I am right for the job. I'm too young. <laughs> if I do say so myself. Um, and I said, and I'm going to pay £100 to come down from Leeds to have five minutes. I said, no, it's not working. I said, then, you know, if they want to do it, then they, they need to find another time because I've got shows on. Uh, it's just too much hassle and um and they said all right fine no worries and then the producer called me and we had a chat and even then it was still like up in the air and I said look if it doesn't work out then that's fine but what I did say to the producer was like if you bring this family in they have to be a part of the square they can't just be your token family Mm -hmm. like you know that are just there to serve kind of South Asian stories of repression and oppression and mm. depression and sadness and issue-based. I said, I don't want that. I said, and if, if you are going for somebody like Suki, she has to be sexy and fiery and feisty and sought after and someone that people go wouldn't want to mess with her because we've never seen women like that. You know, certainly yeah. not in the soaps, not until, well, not until I sort of felt like I'd taken Suki's role, but now we have, we have, there's loads of people. Um, and uh, so John, John Zem was like, yeah okay pal yeah cool and I said you know thanks for giving me the opportunity I know I'm not old enough um, but you know thank you and he was like yeah thanks put the phone down I was like all right a bit abrupt um and then a couple of days later they went yeah and it was just on the basis of a a self-tape so and then I was like wow this is actually a reality like they actually want me (laughs) and now I have to do this you know for all the big puffy smoke that I was giving away I'm like now I have to do this Mm. and I was very scared because it's a big role it's a big part yeah. Um, and it's a big institution as well. Big institution. Because it's like a machine, exactly. isn't it, EastEnders? Because yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I've been. I did. I was on this um, this course for continuing drama writers, and um, right. it was part of BBC Writers Room. So they sent me there, and it was at Elstree. And so um, I actually got to look around, um, like Holby City East, uh, the set, and um, Albert yeah. Square. So I went to Albert Square and had a look <laughs> around, and it was like, I'm telling you, it was like it actually shattered a lot of illusions and yes yeah. I was <laughs> yeah, like it does. Huh, what? This, this front door it, the hallway doesn't go anywhere the hallway doesn't go anywhere like oh, I don't want to shatter everybody's dreams but come on everybody knows this is show business and things are filmed in sets and all this kind of stuff but you really do think oh this is the house I'm going to go through this door um, and I think the Masoods were were still there then oh the Masoods door I'm going to go down and go in the living room and it's like there's no living room. I don't. There's a living room. <laughs> I know. I know. It's exactly like that. I walked into the Vic, I think, or the Cath. No, it was the Cath, and I was like, "Where's the rest of the walls?" <laughs> <laughs> and like, I've been on, you know, I've been on soap, yeah. so I know what it's like. I did Emmerdale, I've done Waterloo Road, Coronation Street. I know. Um, but he sent us for something different. I was just like, because we watch it daily, like you know, we yeah. would be watching it, and and now when I watch it, it's so funny. Sometimes I can't. I, I can detach myself and I can really absorb myself into the the story and the, like you know 
the, the, just get involved in it. But then other times I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember when they had to, you know, move the camera around yeah. there and shift this out. But, oh, God, it looks all right, doesn't it, actually? <laughs> so, yes, it does shatter quite a few illusions. But, um, but, but yeah. But we were saying that, that, that you know, I, I get it, that, that it's, a, it's an institution and it's like a machine and it churns out so much. Yeah. That there's a lot of people involved in it, right? So I guess that must yeah. have been quite a, a daunting thing that now you're in of it, course. you know? yeah. Yeah, and also you're working with people that you've seen on the telly. Yes. You know, that you would never, ever in a million years expect you would cross paths with. Um, and, you know, so not only are you sort of kind of managing your fangirl, like, expectations yeah. and sort of, <laughs> there's also the nerves of making sure you do a good job and that you do it within the remit of how it's all run um, and that you don't let the team down. So all of the, you know, an imposter syndrome, like, are you good enough to be here? Mm. Really, do you deserve to be here? You know, all of that stuff. Um, and 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 it's so quick. Everything is so quick. Um, it's a brilliant training ground. I'll give you that. And I've never worked as hard in my life as I have on the soap. I just, it's incredible, incredible. So it, you said fangirl there and like seeing, working with people that you've seen on the TV. How was that, you know, like saying hello to like Phil Mitchell and people oh, like that? Like, you know, that's the one. Yeah, right. So I'm like, oh, my God, that's Phil Mitchell. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, as he's walking past my dressing room and he's like popping and going, oh, yeah, I'm like, oh, just Phil Mitchell just hello to me. Um, and then then they wrote the scene um, where Suki squares up to Phil because he's yeah. like bashed up the call centre. And as I was reading it, I was like, holy like this is big business like how how am I going to perform in front of Steve McFadden like I, I just I just I, I was like I don't know how I'm going to do this um but of course you prepare your script and you go right I need to know what I'm saying here mm -hmm. and I need to fill this and all right you know you kind of do your prep don't you and then um then we got on set and I was like Hiya, Steve, you're right. And of course, I'd met him before anyway. I'd introduced myself to him. Mm -hmm. And he was like, all right, darling. All right. I was like, oh, my God, you just got me done. And then um, <laughs> and then when we did the scene, it was lovely because he he sort of spent a little bit of time before we did the scene just yeah. chatting to me. And he is like any other person on the planet. You know, he's just a normal everyday guy going about his business with his family. And, you know, and we were talking about cars because at the time I was in the process well, I was in in the process of thinking about buying a car. I wasn't too sure. Yeah. And he was advising me on cars. And I was like, oh, okay. And I said, I'd like to buy a Mini. And he went, oh, you strike me as a polo or a golf girl. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and just kind of making it normal, everyday conversation. And then when we came to doing the scene, I was just like, I was in awe because he came. He just switched from Steve McFadden to Phil Mitchell. And you were just like, Wow just well mm -hmm. um and when we did the first bit where Suki comes in and goes oh well if you wanted a game around us you should have just said but literally I'm standing on the other side of the wall and Steve comes in and he's like right yeah I'm gonna get <coughs> cool and he literally went for it and it totally shook me and I was like I've got to call and they were like you're on now I was like well if you uh wanted to play around this you should like literally I was very scared yeah. you know He's an amazing man and very giving actor, very easy to talk to. Mm. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I, I admire him quite a, a lot, actually, for just making things nice and smooth and easy. Because um, it's, you know, it's, it isn't when you're an actor that has come from, well, it's a different status, isn't it? 
at that time you know yeah. I was just a theatre actor that had come in and kind of going oh what's going on mm-hmm. and Steve's been on the show for years and you kind of go whoa here we are level <laughs> well I mean seeing people like that would, would you were you like oh that's it I need to bring my A game now because there is the likes of like Danny Dyer and Steve, Steve yeah. McFadden and Jesse Wallace and all these people on here you know yeah absolutely I mean we do bring our A game anyway right because we know we have to work 10 times harder yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. so so yes yeah, so you bring your A game and some mm. um and yeah uh because you want to do a good job and you want them to think that you're you're good as well mm-hmm. you know although the only person's validation you need is your own yeah. um it is still you know you need to make sure that you have done a good enough job for the scene to be great and to go out and fit in the episode and all that sort of stuff so yeah um and we're always excavating you know particularly the Vanessa's because we have a lot to do with each other we are always in connection with each other talking to each other going what do you think about this and what about this and what about if I brought something jubby here and could I say da, 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 what does this mean what does that mean you know so we're all often having meetings so that we know when we step onto that set we bring with us all of the history that we've spoken about, all of the history of mm. our characters and the connection and dynamics that we share are there. Um, and, yeah, so it, it is important to always bring your A game. I yeah. was going to ask you about this whole, um, you know, the way that you you play the Panishas and that the speaking Punjabi and everything, because I was just wondering, you know, like obviously there's writers, but then it's like actors do bring their own thoughts as well. And then some people, I mean, I don't know what it's like in EastEnders, but having done like plays and things like that you know you do take on what actors are saying so those kind of dropping in Punjabi here and there is that your idea or did the writers write it like that yeah no it's our choice um I remember having a conversation with Jazz um when uh, very early on uh he was like you know it would be great wouldn't it if we could like just bring a bit of Punjabi or you know, kind of, and we were thinking about nicknames and things like that. I was like, oh, maybe I could call you Sing, you know, because my uncle calls my, my auntie calls my uncle Sing. Um, and, you know, so we were just batting ro- loads of like ideas around. And I was like, well, yeah, I think Punjabi is very important because <clears throat> we speak it here at home. Mm-hmm, you know, 90% mm-hmm. is Punjabi. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's English and Punjabi. So um, I was like, it makes complete sense. Why not? And so when we do go on set, we're always looking where we can introduce or, you know, change a phrase or whatever, bring something in. Um, obviously, and sometimes, unfortunately, um, <clears throat> we can't bring too much in mm. because we lose people who are non-speaking, uh, non-Bunjabi speaking, um, which is it sometimes... Well, you know, I would like there to be more. Um, and so wherever we can, we do try and bring it in without losing sense of narrative. Because mm. obviously you don't want to lose people. You want to no. keep people on board. But there's a part of me that goes, well, you know, lots of people watch like, um, you know, there's Gamora and like lots of uh, other, there was, was it the bridge or something like that? You know, that are kind of Spanish and yes, exactly. you know, Italian kind of all of that stuff. And it's subtitles. Yeah. You never lose where you are with yeah. it. You just, yeah, you just yeah, pull yeah. in subtitles, you know. So why couldn't we do that? But I think soap is a different kind of genre. That you, there isn't the space or the time for, for that, really. Um, so we just bring what we can. And sometimes it's done on the floor. You know, sometimes I'll just say to the director, can I just say this in Punjabi? Yeah. And they're like, uh, what does it sound like? And I'll go like this and they're like, yep, cool. Um, and then other times I'll email in um, and say, could I, uh, if it's something that I think is a little bit more, that needs a little bit more um, scrutiny, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, 
I, I do think that the way that you've done it is so good because, you know, me and my sister, because she, she um, doesn't miss an episode, right? And we, when I, and, and, I, right. and I tune in and we talk about it and stuff. And then we always say, oh, isn't it good the way that they do just drop Punjabi? And because, you know, even if you're not a fluent Punjabi speaker, if you're in a Punjabi household, there are going to be words that you use, which yeah. are Punjabi words. My husband's not Punjabi and even he will use words that are Punjabi to the children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want some dundu? Yeah. Put your, uh, you know, put your kapre on, put your jute on, like, just yeah, things like exactly. that. And so it is, you know, and, and he's not even Indian and he does it. So uh, as yeah. a Punjabi person, we always do. And I think that that is that nice balance. And that's really nice to see because I think in previous families in EastEnders, I think, and, and in other um, kind of British programs anyway, like the way that they make Asians is either totally like, oh, you know, you're can't speak English properly and can't communicate and you're all trapped in a yeah. horrible world of <clears throat> oppressed world yeah. and um or it's like you're completely whitewashed and so it was really nice to see like I think that's quite realistic the way that you guys have guys have portrayed the Panishas how um okay. you know you're British but you got yeah. your you are Punjabi as well and it's a it's a yes. nice mix even when um you know when um Suki's son passed away and then there was that whole thing of the morning and people yeah. came around for absource and everything the way that that yeah, was done yeah. was really good as well because you would you don't normally see that you know no well I think that's what's I think that's what's really important because we were like look um it's about the culture and the visibility of yeah. that culture right that mm-hmm. that allows people in um and you know yes of course Suki's not the best person on the planet <clears throat> excuse me Suki's not the best person on the planet. She's mm. she's a very deeply flawed human being. Yeah. But she comes from a Punjabi Sikh family. So she would go to the Gurdwara and they would do the the um, funeral the way that they did yeah. it. They would have a dose because that's mm-hmm. the culture. You know, we yeah. would we eat Punjabi food because that's what we've grown up with eating. You know, dal, roti, sabji, everything, mm-hmm. jol, everything. Um, you know, and we we would listen to Punjabi music, Indian music, um, because that's part of it's part of who we are but also we're British as well so we've you know we can marry the two cultures quite seamlessly I think um and just switch between them um and you don't lose a sense of oh they're not Punjabi enough or, mm, or they're not mm, English mm, enough mm. you know there's there's it, it's a it's a melting pot of everything I think which is uh which has been really important for us because we were like and also like Suki's attire I didn't want Suki to wear Punjabi suits um uh, you know see, because I couldn't even imagine that no, she's born and raised in this country. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wearing Punjabi suits, of course. Like, But my mum doesn't wear Punjabi suits all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, and there's a very definite design, particularly from my perspective, that she has these high necks and these kind of, you know, uh, sort of power uh, sort of suits that she yeah. wears. And that's all about control. It's all about holding on to something that, you know, you know, storylines show that she kind of unravels a bit do you know what I mean um so there's a sense of her trying to and they're sexy they're they're feisty they're sexy clothes like she's I'm trying to make her somebody that is intriguing and sexy and interesting and fiery not just oh yeah you know the the old Indian lady that lives that you know that people go that people recognize that character in a different way that they've recognized Mm -hmm. Asian characters just I mean and also we are we are Punjabi and, you know, we 
we are not the representation of every Punjabi family in the in the UK or worldwide. We are just one Punjabi family with our own Punjabi, with our own family culture. Mm. And that's what we're portraying. And that, you know, and and the thing that connects people is the emotions, is the is the human stories. Yeah. So that I think if I've been articulate enough, I don't know, but that's where we're we're heading with it, you know, that they are they are flawed characters um from a Punjabi family uh, and we just sort of mix between the two cultures quite seamlessly I don't know if that makes sense but you know yeah like I don't want to be defined by one thing only we're multifaceted aren't we there's yeah, so and, much of it and you're not the spokesperson for Punjabis on tv like you know what exactly. I mean like like you said it's uh they're characters you know and people are crazy in real life anyway so you know it doesn't <laughs> they are like honestly when I look at real life it's even more mad than what you see on oh, the tv I mean, seriously the more I learn about people it's like oh my gosh this can't you can't even yeah. make this stuff up but I I did want a Punjabi family on EastEnders I really did and and you know that course that went on so part of it was um there was this um producer for EastEnders and then there was one of uh, the writers there uh what was his name um Jeff Povey, Jeff Povey. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he was okay. there and then there was this uh, producer and Edivine. So they were sitting there and then they were like, oh, so what we want you to do is we want you to pitch um, a, a new family. And this was never going to happen because we were obviously just trainees, right? So um, it was just to see what we'd think of. And I actually pitched a Punjabi family and I was like, oh, ah. wouldn't it be good? And, they, you know, they wore turbans and this and that. And I think I put, I think um, I made the dad a butcher, but they were pretty <coughs> crazy as well, right? And I was like, I right, really right. want to see a Punjabi family in there. And then and then the producer was like, yes, we need to have seats on the square. And you know what? When I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is finally happening. I was like, yes. I mean, obviously, it wasn't me that put that in there. But I was really, I was really, yeah, maybe that, maybe it was that seed in that producer's head. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Who knows? But I was super excited. Like, oh, we've got Punjabis in the square. Um, So that was really cool. Um, You know, like the representation. I mean, I don't know if you are aware of how important that is to people you know you you're doing your job and it's your passion to act and everything but the fact that it means so much to people just to and even if they don't know it you know what I mean they might not sit there and go oh my god I'm so happy to see a representation on the tv but it's mm. but they can see they can see it and that's really important because it normalizes brown people on tv I don't know if well, you the visibility no it's exactly. the visibility of us isn't it exactly that the more people there are that come from different cultures and backgrounds the more normal it is to have somebody you know that is from that background and you don't question why um and also like the uh Gidith wearing a turban is I was initially quite concerned you know that he wore a turban because I was like oh god we're just going to be pigeonholed into telling stories about our religion and I don't want to, I didn't want to do that it wasn't for me it's absolutely fine mm. if somebody else wants to do that but I am of the thinking that in the 21st century you know it, if I still have to explain to you why somebody wears uh, a hijab or a turban mm. a bug or um, a skull cap or a crucifix like that's your problem mate not mine you know, if you still mm. don't understand why people and in today's society wear what they wear, then you've got a whole load of education that you need to do. And I can't help you with that. I'm sick of having to explain why yeah, yeah. I exist or why my family mm. exists or why my culture exists. We just do. And it's about time you took that on board. So I was like, and when we tell those stories, we don't tell them from a religious perspective. We tell them from a human perspective, because firstly, mm. we are humans and then everything comes, mm -hmm. you know, and then those stories are much more relatable. 
yeah. and much more, um, you know, connected. And then you are reaching out far further and, far, you know, further to people who wouldn't have necessarily engaged in the first place because they think you're other. Do you mm. see what I mean? So so for me, I, I, I didn't want us to play into the hands um, of what, other people think oppresses us yeah was was that um the producers saying that oh we do want one of them to wear a, a turban no no jazz deal came up with that idea himself he said he wanted okay. to wear a turban and he wanted to tie it himself so he went to um see somebody from um his local town his uncle helped him and uh, he presses it you see him pressing it <laughs> every morning and then he ties it you know because he, he's, he's not a, a sort of that in, re- in, in real life he has a um, no. shorter hair doesn't he? he doesn't wear a turban well he's growing his hair for the bug okay. so he wears yeah excuse me his hair is longer than it's ever been um but that's really helped him as well identify a part of himself that i guess he had shut down um because he didn't want to connect with it but because now he's wearing the bug he understands why he wears it and what it means to get it um it's kind of allowed him to find out a little bit more about who he is and his heritage and connectivity connection that way which I think is brilliant you know which when when art helps you understand who you are yeah you can then help other people understand who they are um absolutely and he often used to come on set and just go uh bug tea club I'm like yeah yeah <laughs> it's not your eyes are a bit like this like, yeah. <laughs> but and then he'd be sitting there sometimes like this with his head in his hands and like bug data and like yeah I tied it a bit tight <laughs> but, um, but he's yeah. but the fact that he's got a bug in there right and the fact that it's not even an issue like it's part of his identity that character but the yeah, fact that exactly. he, he's obviously one of the most good-looking guys in EastEnders right and <laughs> I mean, come on, anyone with eyes can see this, right? And then the fact that the the the, the characters in there realize that as well, because you know what I mean. Yeah. I think that people yeah. are quite taken with him. You know, he's getting action left, right, and center, obviously. But right, the- yeah. <laughs> so, but that's amazing. No, but no, that's but that's what I'm saying. And and and, yeah, and, yeah. and normally, you know, when there is somebody with a bug, even in Bollywood movies, Bollywood movies yes. take the piss out of people with bugs, and it's really annoying. It's so annoying, right? They just make them out to be really stupid, and people like Diljeet Dosanjh are now changing that because he's an actual, you know, he's a bug wearer, and he's been in in yeah. um, uh, even in Hindi films and stuff. So I think he's changing that's becoming a bit more normal but and the style of music as well it's not all exactly. about you know, it's, it's very urban and kind of you know uh yeah like modern hip-hop rap all that yeah, kind yeah of exactly stuff on, you know absolutely yeah. so i think things are changing but i'm just saying bollywood didn't do sort of any favors and that's why it's quite mm-hmm. a nice to see somebody like a character like Girith who has got a bug and it's just it's such a non-issue like he's still exactly doing what he needs to do you know yeah, 100%. That's exactly what we're aiming for is that this is somebody who wears a bug and he comes from the Sikh faith, but he's not defined yeah. by that in the way you think. He has a different connection to his religion and culture and understanding of that. You know, and I think religion is private. It, it's, it shouldn't be, mm. you know, everybody prays this. Anyway, let's not get into that. But it's just great that you do have this person who wears a bug and he just is. And he's a human being mm. who has needs, wants, desires like the rest of us. Um, so yeah, have you guys faced any criticism from people about the way that you're portraying a Sikh family? Well, sometimes it's really funny. Uh, majority of it's really good. Majority of it is mm. uh, they love the Benissas, um, and they love 
our depiction of of uh, these people. But then sometimes you get people. I mean, I did I did read a couple of things early on where someone was like, "Why is she speaking with an English accent?" I was like, mm. <laughs> "Because she's born and raised yeah. in England, maybe." Um, you know, or people are like, "Well, I wasn't expecting her to speak like that." But I yeah. thought, why doesn't she have an Indian accent? You know, it was really, really. And I was like, great. So we're breaking the boundary there. Yes. We're smashing stereotypes there. And then recently I heard that people had put, um, and it's our own people, which mm. really upsets me. Uh, why does she need, why does she need to keep speaking Punjabi? Like, really? Why do we need to keep hearing that? And I'm like, I don't have a problem with my culture, to be honest with you. I'm happy speaking Punjabi. And if I could, I'd yeah. speak a lot more. Um, you know, and like lots of people are like, oh, my God, she just keeps throwing this. Why? Like one one line here, one line there. That's not how that's not true representation. And I'm like, well, of course. I mean, we would love, like I say, we would love to do more. But yeah. what we can do is show you that it does happen and it is normal. And this is a part of the culture of this particular family. Mm. Um but then people have jumped to our defense and gone, well, actually, you know, I come from, I think somebody had put that they were Polish or something and that their mum spoke 50 50. Um, and the kids would always reply in English. So they were like, it's fairly normal to us. L- loads of people um, do that. I, yeah. Loads of people do that. We do it. We do it here. Like, mm. it, it, you know, and I, I wonder, I wonder what that is about because that comment says a lot about the person yeah. saying it. And I saw one comment, some woman had put, all right, Suki, we know you can speak Punjabi, Baskar love. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it's so, I just, I don't get that. I don't get that. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing yeah. that it's the minority that are have got something negative to say because I'm sure a lot more people are positive about it. Yeah, no, and a lot more people are positive about it. And the thing is, I don't necessarily see the major Asian positivity, you know, so there's a lot of like, um, uh, a lot of... Uh, English white people that will be the ones that are posting you know and you're like oh great they love it they love it so I don't necessarily see the Asian like a huge amount but then you'll meet people in the street who are South Mm. Asian they're like you're wicked you guys are wicked we watch it every night we think you're brilliant and I'm like oh so just because they don't post on social media doesn't mean they're not watching um and actually there are a lot more people um that are enjoying the Vanessa's than than are hating them so so yeah. yeah and look you can't please everybody right we just we do what we do and if you like it you like it if you don't well you know you can switch over the channel and watch something else you have a exactly. choice <laughs> exactly I mean I do I have said this before on here and I and I will say it again I, I really feel like there kind of needs to be a little bit more kind of uh cohesion of uh, our community in terms of supporting people and some communities do that better than others I think we need to work on it a little bit more is my personal opinion which is what you know I try to embody that myself so um so yeah I I do think that um uh, oh the playing the mom I just want to go back to that a little bit Suki is a mom of four kids and you're you're not that old right and I don't know how old she's (laughs) supposed to be and she's supposed to have had kids when she was quite young yeah, yeah. So she's um, late 40s, early 50s. <clears throat> I think she's about sort of 49, 50. Um, and we sort of, the backstory is that she had um, heed it at 17, 18. Right. So, uh, but we haven't quite, uh, the, there's a whole load of stories that are flying around. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, 
that will come into fruition will come out, later yeah. on down the line. Yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, she was a young, young mum. Okay. Yeah, because I think you're similar age to me, really. So, I mean, you look younger now. I think the beehive does add the years, I've got to say. I don't know <laughs> right. whose idea the beehive the was. Yeah, the makeup and the beehive. Yeah, because... <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. Was the beehive your no, idea? We, no, well, yes and no. We kind of went in. I had a makeup um, day where I went in to try yeah. makeup on and stuff like that. And they were like, right, okay, what do we do with the hair? Because you can't go looking like this. Your hair's too bouncy and soft and it softens the face. Yes, yes, and I exactly. Was like, okay. And so they were like, well, what does it look like if we scrape it all back? Um, and so we tried a twist. We tried a, and I was like, I'm not having a bun. I'm not having a bun because mm-hmm. it would have to be a low bun. And I was like, no, no, no. Um, and um, and I really, I really like my curls, right? Because we mm-hmm. don't, again, we don't often see Asian women with curly hair. No. But, you know, and I love the way my hair is now. It's taken me a very long time to fall in love with, my hair Mm. um because I was always like straight hair and you know fair skin is beautiful Mm. um Mm -hmm. and I have curly hair dark skin and freckles and I'm like but actually I've got to Mm. a place where I'm like nah this is who I am this is it and I make no make no excuses for it um and so I wanted to still have the curly hair but again they were like you can't because it makes you look too young so then we tried like I said we tried a few things and then we did this like half up half down thing and I was like, yeah, that looks quite good. And so we sent a few images up to John Sen and John Sen was like, quite like the, the half up, half down. Let's go yeah. with that. So and then we, you know, as the sort of uh, days went on, we just sort of worked at it a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And then I was like, right, it just needs to be so like, <laughs> boom. Um, yeah. and, and I love it. I love actually because we're still doing our hair and makeup, you see. Um, and so for me, it literally is like stepping into somebody else's shoes and I take my time, I put my makeup on and then mm. I do my hair and I'm like, right now I'm not Val, I'm mm-hmm. Suki, like Suki Vanessa has, has arrived kind of thing. Um, so it's a real ritual kind of getting into her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, the, these uh, actors that you're playing the mum of are not that much younger and I guess how was it going in there and then just transforming into that mum role and uh, on and off the set uh hard <laughs> mm. because you always worry don't you because it the, the the role requires a lot of gravitas doesn't it because obviously she's older um and i had to find that kind of heavy grounding because uh, i can be quite flighty in my own life you know i'm, I'm a little bit of like like oh let's go over here let's do this or whatever whatever mm. um and sometimes i'm not I'm, I'm scatty right but Suki is so methodical about everything and she's yeah. like boom 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 so I had to find that kind of regimented sort of military almost um persona to mm. to Suki um and then working uh with jazz working opposite jazz like we you know we both kind of found it a little bit difficult because we were of the same age you know and also I think um jazz was like oh, like I think he found it difficult because it was a woman sort of going like you sit down and I'm the mm. one in charge and all this, you know there was a push and pull there mm-hmm. but we've we've worked at that relationship and we've got to a point where you know Gilead is Suki's right hand man and they're equals um but he but and and he is everything to Suki you know everything that she needs is contained in this one person um and so yeah so we just sort of found ways of being able to play the the kind of essence of the characters regardless of their ages yeah and I think I think we have managed that and you know Gide de Suki's conciliary and she's always like right what do we do what do we, you know yeah um, and he's she's she's like the puppet master as well so she's like right 
okay she'll take advice from him and then she'll go we'll do it like this and you're the one to execute it so <laughs> he's yeah, in a firing line um, always she's not very nice in a lot of ways is she she's uh... a <laughs> Listen, she's complex you've had to bring up four children on your own you know with a community that has you know not supported you yeah. given you daggers and you know ousted you what do you do you harden yourself up right and you make sure that nobody nobody can penetrate that um and so yeah I mean I feel sorry for Suki in many ways um because I wonder has yeah. she ever been loved you know well yeah what's happening now because like is, is she gay like what is going on I can't speak anything about what's happening. Right, but she's obviously, I mean, (laughs) as a viewer, as a viewer, she's, I can see she's battling something to do with sexuality, and which is quite interesting. Yeah, Yeah. that is quite interesting. And um, are we going to see the husband appear at any point? Is this, is this a secret as well? I'm I'm kind of hoping. It's another thing that me and my sister (laughs) Uh, were talking about. Is the husband going to come out of jail? Is the husband coming? I mean, it'd be good to see the husband, wouldn't it? It It would would be be good good yeah yeah and I think he is uh it is um it, it is something that we are yeah. looking at um and we just don't know when that will happen right. so but but keep keep your eyes and ears peeled and so, yeah. and it would be so interesting like who would play him you know because as strong as you play Suki it's just I don't know it's it's just uh, yeah very very interesting who would <laughs> who could step in to that role and do it justice so yes I'm excited I'm excited about that um, <laughs> so um what is there anything that you would want to see more or are you not allowed to say or, or like you know in a, in a fantasy world what do you what would you oh, want to God. happen I don't know um I don't know I haven't really thought about it I think you just sort of get given storylines and you go right okay right yeah cool we can make this work yeah um I don't know I just I would just like for the Vanessa's to be sort of you know like they are to and continue to be more involved in stories Mm -hmm. that uh, involve other families um and you know more relationships and friendships that really cement them at the heart of Albert Square Mm. um none of this tokenistic stuff and I think EastEnders are brilliant at not doing that for us you know um and so it's 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 great and I think we have um only more of that to come so mm. and I, I mean like this whole gray storyline you know it's been brilliant yeah I've, and I watched Tuesday's episode and Monday's episode and I just love the way how so many people are impacted yes by exactly. this one storyline it's it's fabulous um you know because we're a part of that it's I, I just love it I love the scandal mm. um so yeah more because, scandal please yeah. <laughs> because it's a bit like what's going on with Girit now isn't it you know so, yeah because um, Girit's now implicated right yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. involved and you know what's going to happen so yeah and what about for you as an actress like are you kind of tied into EastEnders now for the foreseeable future like you know beyond this are there things that you want to do branch out into film at some point or I don't know directing or whatever yeah I mean um my thing has always been to be able to work um pay the rent and you know save a little bit of money um and I haven't really considered any bigger dreams. I just want to be able to just continue working and telling stories. And yeah, yeah film would be great. You know, I'd love to do, I'd love to do something like the Peaky Blinders. I mean, mm. like I have to say that um, Helen McCrory's, um, oh God, Polly, uh, Polly Gray. Such an amazing character. Peaky, 
yeah, is 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 an inspiration. She was one of the inspirations um, for Suki. Oh, okay. Suki. Yeah, so I've modelled some, like just taking some of that kind of control that she has with the boys and how she, you know, it is all about the lads and they're the ones that can get stuff done. But then also without her, things wouldn't happen. Um, and then also sometimes my sister, you know, I've, there's, there's bits of my sister that are in Suki Benes as well. Um, you know, just the kind of really methodical, down the line, yeah. logical kind of, it ain't this, it ain't that, it's that. Um, you know, because I can be a bit like, well, but there's, you know, there's all the colours of the rainbow. It's not it's not as clear cut. And she's like, it fucking has been naught, it's this or it's that. <laughs> like, oh, all right then. Um, you know, and the just sort of the unapologetic kind of female character in the centre of this um, family is, is, you know, so I've taken inspiration from from those kind of characters. Um, so I'd love to do something like the Peaky Blinders. I'd love to maybe look. Why not? I'd love to do a Marvel movie. I mean, be a superhero or something, you know, something different. Um, and yeah, who knows? The, the world is so big and there's so many things out there. And uh, yeah, I'd love to give it all a chance. Cool. Um, cool. Well, for now, we are still, you know, glued to EastEnders with you on there and thank you so much for just uh representing brown woman representation being a matriarch you know it's, it's great so well, um thank you for having me on no it's really been really nice talking to you and um and yourself as well you do a lot rena as well i think it's you know some celebrations and good wishes to you as well for everything that you put out there and and the platform for people like me to come on and speak about you know our culture and our the, the way we want the way we want to be seen the identity yeah. that we want to carve out for ourselves I think it's really important that there is that visibility and your podcast is is brilliant I love listening to it when I get the chance to I you know yeah. it's great so thank Aww. you for the opportunity thank you that's so nice that means a lot <laughs> well <at> all. <laughs> and thank you everybody for listening um listen you should be watching EastEnders if you're not already to see Bao in action as Suki Panisar and um Bao what's your Instagram handle if people want to follow you on Instagram oh yeah so my Instagram media? handle is Lee Sopal mm-hmm. right Lee's my nickname and people are like why Lee why Lee my dad calls me Lee so I was like and I couldn't oh, put okay. Bao and all that kind of because there were loads of Baos and stuff yeah. um but also just one other thing I've started a bookstagram, um, which I did independent of uh, Lee Sopal, because a lot of that stuff is about the work that I do, you know, and mm-hmm. it was, there's a lot of EastEnders stuff. And I was right. like, I want to be seen as something away from EastEnders as well. So I've set up a bookstagram. It's mainly to encourage me to read more. And mm. I've set myself a challenge of reading 10 books a year. Um, and I'm already on book five, I think. Um, but That's here's good, like yeah. my bookshelves. Yeah, hence why I, I see that. Yeah. Please, you know, follow me there for reviews as well um, and kind of recommendations. And also, I'd love to hear what people are reading. And that's just Val's Bookstagram. Simple as that. Val's Bookstagram. Val's Bookstagram. Okay. And is this what your pictures of like a cup of uh, tea and a book and a cake is about? Is it? That's yeah, the vibe. Yeah. Exactly. I know you like yeah, your cakes yeah. as well, don't you? <laughs> I love my cake. <laughs> I, I, so I do I. To- <laughs> I Oh my god! Like I could eat cake every single day. Yeah, I have same. tried to cut down a bit because, um, you know, it, it's it's a bit excessive. <laughs> that, yeah, I hear you. I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. Okay, so follow <laughs> Bal's uh Bal's Bookstagram. Bal's Bookstagram. Yes, Bal's Bookstagram as well. Yeah. And also, uh, make sure you're following me at Sisterhood of Mummy and Perfect on Insta. There is a uh, Mummy and Perfect Facebook page as well. And make sure you show this podcast a bit of love. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts because it would help people find the podcast. Share it. Um, subscribe if you haven't already until next week take care bye bye